You're listening to Faith in the Real World, presented by St. John's Lutheran Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm Graham Zima. This podcast, hosted by myself and Pastor Mark Tede, discusses topics and ideas surrounding faith in exactly as the title says, a real-world context. If you like what you hear, please like and subscribe to our YouTube page. And if you would like to know more information on St. John's and all the different things we do as a church, log on to stjohnsmpls.org to learn more. That's stjohnsmpls.org. With that, let's dive in, and thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Faith in the Real World. I am Graham Zima. And I'm Pastor Mark. Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while, Pastor Mark. It's been a while, Graham. Yep, but good to see you. Yeah, good to see you as well. We're jumping back into it. And um, today, I think the, the, the topic or theme, you know, it's what, February of 2023 at the time of this recording. Yep, right. It's been a little while. You know, we're coming up on three years since the initial lockdown yeah right during covid-19 which is crazy to think obviously um that it's already been um almost 3 years i guess you know now looking you know at the current state of the church we have been back in person in june of this year it'll be 2 years right what are you what patterns are you noticing are you seeing people starting to come back what's the engagement like online kind of give us a, the lowdown on what the state of St John's Lutheran is as of today yeah great 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 so boy I could go in a million directions with this one but um, what's really interesting to see overall the great big picture is that of, of all of the pastors I know serving the congregations that they serve all of us are seeing attendance levels, between like 65 and 75% of active in-person worship um, that, yeah, they've seen 65 to 75% of their attendance in church on Sunday mornings that they had prior to the the quarantine from COVID. Uh, and it's universal. It's like Methodists and Presbyterians and the UCC and Catholics and Lutherans. It's, it's like the same everywhere. It's really interesting. I'd love to know what's happening within... Uh, mosques and uh, synagogues and Hindu places of worship. I would love to know what's happening. Is it the same there? I just, I don't know. Um, I got to broaden my horizons there a little bit, I guess. <laughs> um, but I do know. So here at St. John's, looking at it that way, we are exactly that. We're about 68, I think it is, percent of our normal in-person worship pre-COVID. We have um, a very reliable group of people that are coming in worship on a regular basis, but they are lamenting deeply the absence of those who would come regularly, might come regularly, but yet have not, Um, which is a really, it's kind of a beautiful sentiment, but it is a very difficult place to be because there's a sense in which there's a narrative running through the consciousness or the subconsciousness that nobody's coming anymore, we're dying, those kinds of things. So then... I'm lamenting this. Um, I had a phone call with a member of our congregation, um, mid-January, I'd say, where he said, well, you know, I haven't been to church in two years, and i am not needed the church in two years, and I'm not sure we need it. So, and I'm not sure I want that for my kids. 
well, that sucked the air out of my lungs. I mean, this was a, um, a family that was every Sunday in church, involved with everything on almost every level they could be in, suddenly no longer coming. Um, and I missed them. So I lament that. Uh, that same day, I, you know, I'm just bummed. I'm crushed. I feel like it's my fault. You know, I'm owning all that, thinking what could I have done differently, etc. I walk into my office and I, I'm sent an email with an attachment. And the article was from a man, Kerry, I think the last name is pronounced Newhoff. Uh, and it's entitled, The Great Reset, The Seven, and then in parentheses, Real Reasons Why People Have Not Yet Come Back to Church. And he lists all of the reasons, that, you know, oh, people will be back by the summer. You know, oh, they'll be back by this, the, the rally day in September. And oh, well, they'll be back for sure for Thanksgiving and and then Christmas, then New Year's, then Easter, then it's, wait, maybe they're not coming. And I wonder why they're not coming. And a lot of us have been just sort of ghosted. A lot of the pastors have been ghosted where we'll send out emails or phone calls, and the phone calls go directly to voicemail um, and all those kinds of things. It's really, really fascinating and sad. Um, on the other hand, those same people have not given up their faith in Christ and so I'm interested now in asking the question, okay, they're not coming to church for whatever reason. What is a way that this pastor could still be valuable to their family system and bringing the altar of God to right into their home? How, how can their kitchen table be a place of Christian worship and development of faith and maturation of the faith and all those things right there at home? Is there a way that I can give them resources and tools to do that? I've been running my mind around that. And then it came to the question of, you know, we need to do that as a whole congregation anyway. We've got to re-engage with our faith and take our faith and really bring it into the world. Because one of the things, um, for those of you who are unaware, St. John's Lutheran Church is a part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. We are very, very different from the Evangelical Church of the South. We just carry a similar name in the we are evangelical and that we are proclaimers of the gospel, which is what that word means. But we're evangelical Lutherans. And we very much, I believe that our denomination, the whole national church, something like 8,000 congregations, 10,000 clergy, we're not small. And we have a beautiful message of an inclusive love of radical grace with no strings attached through the particularity that is Jesus, right? So it's like an hourglass. We believe in an enormous love of God that's funneled through that little tiny thing that one grain of sand can go through at a time. That's Jesus, the pinch spot for the whole world, every single human being. And we believe that the message of the gospel creates faith in the one who hears it. And they don't even have to choose it, right? We believe that God works faith when and where he chooses. And we believe that Romans 10, it says that faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard is the, is the proclamation of Christ. And then uh, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, right? So it's, we believe that faith conjures up, uh, the word of God conjures up faith within the one who hears it on some level. And I believe that with every fiber of my being. And I know that there are people in the world right now who are looking out there and they're seeing the alphabet soup of Lutheran Christ or of Christianity period, right? There's man, how many different kinds of Christians are there? I mean, think brainstorm with me. How many go? You say one, I'll say one. Go. Uh, 
you you got to start because I'm gonna. It's gonna take me a second. A Presbyterian. Presbyterian. Um, Methodist. Yep, Methodist. Hey, I didn't cheat on that one. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna think. Uh, I mean, you just go and go and go and go and go. There's Methodists, Moravians, uh, Episcopalians, Roman Catholics, uh, Lutherans of several different varieties of E-L-C-A-N-A-L-C-L-C-M-C-U-C-C. That's not Lutheran. That's United Church of Christ. You've got Presbyterian Church liberals. You've got Presbyterians that are conservative. you got Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod of Lutherans. you got the Missouri Synod of Lutherans. It just goes on and on and on. And the world looks at that and says... Which one is right? Yeah. So the answer to that is, well, kind of all of them. They're all tools for a person with systems of faith unique to their alphabet soup of Christianity (laughs) to hopefully help the adherent of that type of Christianity. We call that a denomination. So that denomination becomes a tool so that that person can encounter God better, have a deeper understanding. Now, there are differences, and I believe some of those differences truly matter. And some of them are divisive, like they're going to divide us, which is why, let's say, the ELCA Lutherans are not the same as the Missouri Synod Lutherans, because we, for example, believe that God is calling women to be pastors in the pulpit. No, the Missouri Synod says, nope, no women in pa- no women in the pulpit. So that's a divided thing that's going to keep our two bodies apart. But I do not believe that people who are Missouri Synod are going to hell. That's not that's wrong thought. It's just that their system of faith works in such a way that allows them to see Jesus better for them. It does not make it easier for me. So now I'm not a part of that group. I'm a part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America where we believe in a gospel that's got a few, maybe it's just a little more open, a little more inclusive, right? Um and I, don't, I hope that's not too arrogant to say that, but I, we're just more liberal as a denomination than the Missouri Synod is. That's just a fact. Um, now it comes to, I want to talk a little bit about re-engagement. We are seeing here at St. John's new faces coming through the door that have never been here before. Of the people that I was able to speak to after the worship service on Sunday morning, almost all of them are coming from a non-Lutheran background. They are looking for a different church than they grew up in, haven't been in church for years, pandemic hit, and they're thinking, man, you know, I think I want to re-engage with this, but I don't know how to start. So here it is. I have a primer on how to re-engage with becoming a part of church. For those of you who are interested, my first thought is this. Plan on going to a lot of different churches. Just plan on it. Maybe go to two church services a Sunday, and you will hear and feel the system. I met a uh, two weeks ago. A, a single man came into worship. Um, talked with him. He was interested. He, I think, he said he grew up Catholic. If it's something, I might be wrong about that. Um, but he's got a friend that's a Lutheran pastor, and was curious and they they live very near to where we are sitting in St. John's. And so he thought, what the heck, I'll start there. So he came here. His wife went to a different church. And if she was going to have a good experience there, then the next week you're going to trade. Sure enough, the last Sunday, here came her uh, his wife and they were coming to check it out. And 
they really love the experience. Um, they love the fact that we do this backpack program. Uh, we, pull, we fill backpacks full of food and just food, no tracts or anything like that. And it's anonymous so that the, the families who are food insecure from uh, Justice Allen Page Middle School across the street from us, they then get, on the weekends, they get a backpack full of about 20 pounds of food from who knows where, but there it is. And we work through the social workers and this young woman um, was thrilled about that program, wants to know how to get involved with that program. Uh, and they're going to try and bring their kids next week to see now what their kids think. I think that's the best way of going because they're going to give this congregation not just a one-off chance. They're coming here to scout us. And I love that. The second thing I would do, and I might actually start with my second suggestion, which is, Call the pastor and invite the pastor to meet you at like Caribou or Dunn Brothers or Starbucks for coffee. And hopefully that pastor would pay, <laughs> right? <laughs> get a free cup of coffee out of it. Um, but if, you, if, if a person did that, you get an immediate knowledge of what is the pastor's personality like? What's their, the philosophy of their pastorate? What is the theology of their pastoring? And what is their thought on how a church should function? If you kind of go with that, and where, where does this go? Where, where is the drawing and the sand of who's in, who's out kind of thing? Uh, that's All of that stuff is really good. And it's I would love that. If somebody came and said, uh, stranger, uh, Pastor Mark, uh, my name is uh, Shannon, and I wonder if you and I could meet at a coffee shop and kind of talk about church. And I'd say, heck yeah, you name the place, name the time, I will be there. I would buy the coffee. And then, and then I want to know, I would be as honest and forthright as I could. And I would also be very invite. I would want to extend an invitation to Shannon to come and not only meet me, but understand that this congregation is one of the most beautiful group of people, of followers of Jesus that I've known in a long time. And you need to meet these people. These are great people. And what they are trying to accomplish, I'm thrilled to try to help and lead some of that. So that's what I would do, seriously, is, is to, to talk about, A, I'll reverse them now. One, call the pastor or the youth director and tell them. Just hey, someone that's, you know, a key member exactly. in the, the church. Yep, yep. Um, call that church staff person. Secondly, Scout out that church, but give them more than just one Sunday. Because what if the pastor has a bad day? What if it's a guest preacher? Um, what if the church had just had a fight at an annual meeting, you know, in the morning? And so now you're at a church and it feels sort of just strange and stressed out and no one's really sure why. Ch churches have, a congregation has a personality. And if you've got a bad hair day as a congregation, everybody feels it. So it's important to give that body of Christ, that organic mass and relational thing, Give it a shot more than one. Third, if you know somebody that goes to that church, ask them what their honest opinion of that church is. What, where's their growth area? What do they do better than anything else? And why, above all things, why do you go? Ask them and just see what their answers are. You get the inside scoop that way. And when you do, take the huge risk, right? Uh, and walk through the doors of the church. You're already prepped. You can already feel um, what what the you're already uh, you're already prepared for what you might feel when you go into that worship service. 
that those are the things I would tell you to do is in terms of just reengaging. And above all, it's always hard to start anything. You know, how good would it be um, if you if you join a gym and never go? Is it doing your body any good? I feel like personally attacked by this because I think I've had a <laughs> Planet Fitness membership for the last year, and I think I've gone like four times. So I've got gym equipment I got from my brother in yeah. my basement. I've never used ever. Exactly. It's the dumbest thing because it's a beautiful piece of equipment. Well, it's not doing my body any good. Yep. Any. Well. It, or if if you got a. Um, a beautiful muscle car in your garage and you never ever drive it. What is it? Yeah, it's just what, sitting there. Yeah, what are you doing with it? You know, it's just a matter of amazing thing. But it, but when you drive it, you get that experience of the vehicle. You When you go to the gym, you get the experience of the gym. We have faith. God has given us faith. It's in us. If you go to the church, you'll use it. Mm-hmm. This congregation, the whole ELCA, is not about going to church so that you can go to heaven. That's not what it's for. The coming into the church is so that you can be reminded that you are loved and beloved of God, that there are people in that room who do want to know you as much as you will allow to be known. They want to know you. And the church has really no commodity to sell. Nothing except one thing which we dole out freely, and that's relationships. I promise you that if you come into this congregation, you will meet a little four-year-old boy named Henry and his cousin named Annika. You will hear them, you will see them, but you will also meet beautiful saints like Jeannie and uh, Diane and um, Eric and Graham. And Deborah. And Deborah, and you're going to meet these people who are of all generations, and Sarah, and Andrew, and Andy, and Andrew, another one. We have, we have Anns of every type, Anne with an E, and with just two Ns. We've got Anna. We've got an Annalise. All of these people are all different ages, pan-generation, which is the coolest thing in the morning because you'll sit down at a coffee, having coffee at Fellowship Hour talking to an 80-year-old man with white hair and turn to your right and there's a four-year-old kid with a snotty nose and a donut spread all over the table and we're all talking. It's, one of, it's like one of the only places like in our modern era where you'd ever see that. Like exactly how, I mean, right. like, like I can't think of another, I mean, I get, except for a gym, but even at a gym, you're never really engaging with the person next right. to you. Or, Make no eye contact. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's not really a social... Uh, situation anymore where you see like you said people from all these different generations engaging and, and talking and, and getting to know each other so it's a very unique experience in that right I think that's exactly true and I so I think for those people who are thinking about now I don't know if I want to get engaged in a church I would tell you don't look at it from that perspective find the church that needs you you're bringing stuff to the table you've got talents gifts skill passion that any congregation, right now, any congregation would love to have. In fact, they are incomplete without you. Which is why it's important to, like you said, when you're engaging with someone that goes to the church on a consistent basis, you want to understand the whole picture of that church, not just the pros, but also the cons, because you want to you want to understand what you can bring to the table, like you said. Bingo. That's 100% right. So it's, it's, the, it's the JFK thing, right? It's ask not what the church can do for you. <laughs> ask what you can do for your church. I knew church, this was going to come up right? at some I mean, point. <laughs> I know, I'm so sorry. It's so cheesy, but it is also very accurate. Yeah. 
don't come to the church thinking, well, they need, they better tick all the boxes. They better, you know, that's just another version of consumerism. It just is. Instead, yeah, you, there are some checklisty things. Do they have stuff for my kids? Are there educational things that will help me grow my faith? Are those, yep, those are good things to wonder and look for. But there's also that whole section of if you are very concerned about housing insecurity, find a church that's addressing that and plug in. If you're really concerned about food insecurity here in Minneapolis, come to our this congregation and just give us a shot because we are very concerned about food insecurity. Mm-hmm. And we know that what we do, frankly, isn't enough. But we've got to have more bodies that have hands that are willing to serve that and meet that need and sort of wrap it all around that if anybody ever asks us, well, why are you doing this? Then we will share that we do this because we believe in the inclusive and generous love of God in Christ Jesus for all people, but not all people know it. And so we want to make sure that they know it. And so it's a beautiful, beautiful message that we've got, but I can't get it to the ears other than the people that are already here. So if you're not involved in any church, go, because the pastors of those congregations want to hear you. Last thing, every time a pastor comes to a congregation, maybe they're going to interview. Maybe there's a call committee, and so they're going to hire a new pastor. Well, part of the process is what we call a discernment. And they, go, the, they discern, okay, here's this person, here's their personality, here is um, their skill sets. And we interview them asking the question, is this the one that we believe can best fulfill and administer the office of pastor that God has given to this congregation? Do we invite this one into that office? And the pastor also discerns, is this the congregation that can teach me how to be pastor differently? And I can serve them with some of the gifts, skills, talents, and things that I've got. Is this a good fit? That process of discernment is hugely important for Lutherans and pastors when when they're discerning where to serve in God's church. I believe firmly that we do a disservice to women and men and people of all kinds when we only say, pastors, you should discern where you should go serve. All people should ask the question of where is God calling them to join the congregation? Where do I join, as in plug in? How do I become a part of that body of Christ where they are? And if I, not how, but which congregation shall I become a part of? Because it's, it's so important to understand that joining the congregation is not like joining a gym. Join a gym, you get all rights and privileges of every piece of equipment in that gym, and you're kind of a part owner of everything that is there. When you join a congregation, you're joining a family. As dysfunctional as it might be, (laughs) you are joining a group of people, and you are an inheritor of all of those relationships, past, present, and future. And when you come into the congregation as an inheritor of all those uh, relationships, the prime relationship is with Christ. And everything from that flows outward of this building into the hearts and hands of the people of the world through whom we can touch with this inclusive love. So that's a calling. And it's a, it's a profound calling to ask, okay, is, is God asking me to join this congregation? If it's not, then you move on. Mm-hmm. If it's a maybe, you revisit. If it's another maybe, you revisit. Then you take a time off, come back two weeks later. And if it's still a maybe, then it's just a maybe. And if you go to a new church and it's yes right away, you walk in, you feel like you're home, 
well, them's your peeps. <laughs> you belong to Betty Shannon. Betty Shannon is a member of our church and she's 98 years old. She's 17 months away from 100 years old. She's now in hospice and she's, she's in, her, in, her, in her final days. And we are going to lament her passing terribly. Every time I met with Betty Shannon, who was not able to come to church in the last five years, I would go to her house with communion or I'd just go to her house just to chat with her. And she would say this, oh, I love that St. John's. I belong to them. They belong to me. I'm a part of them. They are a part of me. And she would flip her hand like that when it was they, she would point away. And then it was her, she would point it back to herself. And it was this dialogue-y type thing. I'm going to actually, when we do celebrate her life, I'm going to have that be the opening dialogue. I love Betty Shannon. She's a part of us. We are a part of her. I'm going to have this, right? I'm going to write it into the dialogue of the service because that is one of the best mantras that I have been aware of at St. John's. It's just beautiful. And that's it. When you become a member of this congregation, you're a member of the family. We belong to you. I, as a pastor, I feel firmly that I am called to serve the members of this congregation. I have 75 different bosses from the age of, how old is Maddie? Not quite one, all the way to Betty Shannon and Pearl Johnson, who I think has turned 100 years old, but she's in Wisconsin. We are in weird times. Today, as we set uh, December, uh, no, February 9th, 2023. We're getting people walking through the doors. They're asking the question of where in the world has God been in this whole thing? Where, what is happening with our world? Why is everything so politically divided? Why, are, why do we have people screaming at our president? Why do we have people screaming at the House of Representatives or the senators? There, there's no conversation at all. There's, it's, we're, there's governance without relationship. Everything's untethered, untied. It's just chaos. But not everywhere. St. John's Lutheran Church feels to me like this safe house of feeling all of the feels and able to be a place where we can express our sadness and sorrows, our frustrations even. Fellowship Hour, two weeks ago, they sat down, they were talking about another, the police um, beating and a subsequent murdering of that the black man in Memphis, Tennessee. And how do we not learn? How are we still having these systems of injustice, right? That's a heavy conversation. Two of the people at that table were completely moved with emotion. It was liquid emotions coming out of their eyeballs. Ten seconds later, here comes this little kid over, and Dad, can you help me tie my shoe? Sure, comes over, ties his shoes, and then the little boy realized that wasn't his dad. It was just another grown male that looked with clothing just like his dad. <laughs> that is one of the most beautiful moments. It just, those things happen. Those things are, when church fails, when church is broken, it's brutal, it's awful, it's diseased. We should all stay away. But when a church works, there are very few things as beautiful and loving as that. I believe, for you, O listener of this podcast, there is a church out there for you. And there's a church that's needing you, longing for you to come and be a part of their community because they need you. And you need them. 
because you want and are looking for a place to explore your questions of faith, maybe even your doubts and cynicism, maybe even being jaded at the church. But you got to have a place to voice that too. Find it. It's not going to find you. Congregations don't know how to do that anymore. But I know this congregation would love it if you'd come. I, this pastor, would love to have you call me. I would love to come meet you, hear your story. And let's figure out where it is. And I have even done, like with this single man that came first week and his wife that came the next week, I actually recommended that he give us two or three Sundays to give it a try. But I also recommended that he try out many churches. Because then you can compare and contrast, and but also do the discerning of where do you think God is calling you to join. So that's my thought. I think that this might be a time of reset for us to reprioritize our values. And as a part of that reset, it also might be a time for People of all age, creeds, backgrounds, races, identities. God's calling you home and into a life that is fully life. Help our congregation find it. And maybe we can help you find it too. That's my hope. I want want you to know that. So be well, be healthy. Make good choices, but when I say that, make good choices for you, that bless you, that fill you, energize you, and make you whole. God bless you this day and always. Thank you for listening.